Jackie Cooper with the GBA Talk Show, The Future of Money, Governance, and the Law. And I would like to welcome everyone to this episode. I have two very uh, wonderful guests on that I will introduce in just a quick second. For those that are hopping onto the GBA Talk Show for the first time, I want to welcome you and remind you to definitely like and subscribe because there are many uh, conversations that we're going to be having about the community and information that you definitely need to know about in addition to upcoming events that you're gonna to want to register for and attend because it's all about education and networking and staying in the know. So today, um, I, as I mentioned, I do have two guests on. Prior to my introducing them, for those that might not know a little bit about me, my background is that I am a, a lawyer as well as an educator. And I'm also very much heavily involved in the blockchain space from the education perspective. So I'm very excited to be here because what we're going to be talking about today is global in nature, and it's extremely important. So I have two people on that I really respect tremendously. The first person that I'll introduce is Gerard Darche. He is the founder of the GBA. And the Government Blockchain Association has over 120 chapters, 15,000 members, it's 120 cities, 50 working groups, and is located um, with members all around the globe. And then we have uh, Dino Cataldo Delasasio, and he's the Chief Information Officer at the United Nations and also the Joint Staff Pension Fund. And so today we are going to actually be talking about um, a special dynamic coalition, the IGF Blockchain Association Standardization Dynamic Coalition, and what they are doing, which is going to, um, it's historic. It's definitely um, going to be a game changer in the world and for business. So I would like each of you to maybe share a little bit more about your backgrounds and how you came to kind of be here together in partnership with the um, the coalition, because I think that there's a lot of information that um, everyone who's listening needs to understand. And one other thing that I will mention is all the links will be embedded below. So if you're listening on the audio side and uh, you want to become a member or involved, you definitely will be able to do that. And if you're on the video side, definitely you'll be able to click on through and become you know available to attend an event or also become part of the coalition. So welcome today. How are you both doing? Bodacious. Very good, thank you. So who would like to go first to introduce yourselves and your background and what the coalition is all about? Please, I, like, oh, I was gonna volunteer Dino. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fine. Uh, so um, yeah, my name is Gerard Gachet. Uh, I, am, I am the executive director of, of the Government Blockchain Association. Um, so my background really stems from, uh, I spent some time in the military. I spent 13 years in the uh, infantry and intelligence. Um, when I got out of the military, I got involved in um, uh, government contracting and then quality and process improvement, uh, then got into the, uh, the, the, uh, the auditing world. And so I spent the next several years doing technology audits and assessments of, of uh, IT companies uh, all around the world. And uh, in 2017, 2016, 2017, um, my son bought a little bit of Bitcoin, and when he sold it, he paid for a car, a motorcycle, his living expenses, and his college tuition. And that was a great $2.87 investment. So um, uh, I got a little bit of it. I got interested in the subject, and uh, I saw that you know the blockchain was really the secret sauce. So uh, I went to a, to an event uh, hosted in D.C., and when it was done, I went up to him afterwards, and I said, hey, I'd like to 
volunteer to work for you for free to, to build out a government blockchain uh, space. And they said, send me your resume. And I did, and I never heard back from them. So I started a meetup and uh, the GBA was born. So that's a little bit about um, how that happened. And then how I, I uh, met Dino, I, I'll let him describe it, but what we realized uh, going through the process was um, there was just a lot of work that needed to be done. And we'll, we'll talk about more of that later, but we just sort of put our head down and um, you know, we weren't really chasing the, uh, the glitz or the glamor. There were a lot of people talking about Lambos and things like that, but I said, uh, you know, there, there's just some work that needs to be done and we'll, we'll let them handle all the glitter um, we're, we're going to just kind of do some digging. So we rolled up our sleeves, got to work, and, and uh, then Dino showed up. So I'll let him tell the story from there. Thank you very much, Gerard, and thank you very much, Jacqueline, for inviting me to uh, participate in this uh, podcast. So my name is Dino Cataldo de Lacho. I am the Chief Information Officer of the United Nations Joint Staff Pension Fund. I've been with the United Nations for over 22 years. My background is primarily in uh, auditing, specifically in IT auditing. I have a, several years I was responsible for the IT auditing function of the United Nations. I also work in uh, cybersecurity. And since 2017, uh, I am the Chief Information Officer of the UN and Joint Staff Pension Fund. Just uh, a quick disclaimer, as a, a staff of the United Nations, as an international civil servant, I'm speaking at this event in my personal capacity and not uh, as an official representative of the United Nations, although we are going to talk about the United Nations related activities. So uh, the reason uh, why I got involved in blockchain is that uh, when I became Chief Information Officer of the United Nations Joint Staff Pension Fund, one of the first assignments that I was given was to automate the probably the only process that within the UN Pension Fund had not been touched by technology. And uh, for almost 70 years, the Joint Staff Pension Fund um, had confirmed and validated on an annual basis the uh, existence uh, of its beneficiary retirees using a, a paper-based form. So the UN Pension Fund is faced with a unique challenge given by the fact that its clients uh, are uh, distributed across the globe in more than 192 countries. So it, it was always challenging to confirm that indeed the recipient of the benefits paid on a regular basis by the pension fund were indeed going to people that were still alive. And this was always a challenge because the pension fund was questioned by governing bodies, by oversight bodies, by stakeholders are large as to how the pension fund could prove that there was no fraud in this process. And of course, proving a negative is not possible. So when I was given this challenge, uh, the only way that I thought that this could have been resolved was by designing a system that would prove a, a positive confirmation. Hence, uh, the design of a system that makes use of uh, biometrics, specifically facial recognition, and also using a blockchain to create an immutable record and immutable evidence 
of all the events associated, associated with the proof of existence of the um, recipient, the beneficiary of the UN pension fund. So this application was developed uh, during the course of approximately three years and uh, went into production in January 2021. And currently uh, it's well functioning and also received a couple of awards, one of which was indeed from the uh, Government Blockchain Association in addition to the one received from the United Nations Secretary General on Innovation and Sustainability. So as I mentioned, I also have a strong background in auditing. So from the uh, early days of uh, developing and implementing this solution, I was always keen in finding a way to demonstrate credibility, uh, security, assurance on the solution itself. And um, very early, I realized that uh, using emerging technology, unfortunately, uh, meant that there are not yet generally accepted principles, criteria, standards, and best practices to, to be used in order to provide this assurance. So I started my quest in uh, identifying whether and how uh, there were any type of criteria that or best practices that I could have used. I consulted with the ISO uh, organization, I consulted with other professional association, and ultimately I ended up finding the GBA and, uh, and Gerard, and uh, I saw that they were developing a blockchain maturity model, which I felt was uh, definitely a, a very good start in terms of providing a technologically agnostic system to provide assurance on the blockchain solution. And joined the group and uh, I've been working uh, very collaboratively with uh, all the members. And uh, I believe that uh, a lot of progress has been made today vis-a-vis -vis this uh, um, tool that uh, is the blockchain maturity model and the associated supplement in specific domain. No, I appreciate everything that you shared. So for those that don't know, would you like to share a little bit about what the uh, the mission of the IGF is and then how the Dynamic Coalition came about? Because we're going to be talking about that. And obviously, we're also going to be talking about the blockchain maturity model as well. Yes, so uh, indeed, in addition to pursuing, if you will, um, initiatives from uh, subject matter expert outside of the United Nations, such as those that collaborated with the Government Blockchain Association, which also is a non-profit organization, so therefore very much aligned with the mission and mandate of the United Nations. Uh, I also uh, started to engage with initiatives uh, within the United Nations system at large, one of which, one of the, uh, I believe, one of the most representative is indeed the IGF that stands for Internet Governance Forum, which is a forum that has been taking place for the last 18 years after uh, the uh, proceedings of the World Summit on Information Society. And the purpose of this forum, indeed, as the title indicates, is to bring together representative from all parties, all sides of society, whether it's a member state, whether it's professional association, whether it's the technical community, whether it's academia, whether it's a non-government organization, and indeed in this forum to uh, have a, a structured debate 
on the internet and on the use of internet, on the access of internet, on the security risk and potential offered by the internet. And one of the um, elements of this forum is that uh, allows for the creation of thematic working groups that in the language of the IGF are called dynamic coalition. So I advocated for the creation, for the establishment of a specific dynamic coalition focus on blockchain assurance and standardization with the uh, assistance, with the support, with the hosting of the GBA that uh, volunteer to provide, for example, documentation, expertise, materials, and also its own uh, set of uh, uh, tools and, uh, and, um, and document uh, for the purpose of uh, supporting this debate and this dialogue. Indeed, this establishment of this dynamic coalition was approved by the Secretariat of the DIGF, and we recently started our activities in, uh, uh, in light of the forum that this year is going to take place from October 8th to October 12th in Kyoto, Japan, and whether we are uh, hoping to have the opportunity to share the experience of GBA and to engage with like-minded subject matter experts. So if someone wanted to become involved with this um, coalition, how would they do that? And who is actually on the coalition? I know I've seen the the long prestigious list of names, uh, but how would someone get involved? So, and we will be providing the adequate links on the chat and as additional material for this broadcast. There is a Google Groups that it's open to the general public. So anybody interested in participating and joining the Dynamic Coalition can simply request to be admitted to the Google Groups. By doing so, they will have access to the specific pages, both on the IGF website, as well as on the GBA website, where they will be able to find all the uh, details related to the frequency of our meetings, that for now it's on a monthly basis, have access also to the full set of documents that uh, have been developed by the GBA, and participate uh, actively with the other members in building the agenda, in building the message, the discussion, the, deb the debate that uh, the Dynamic Coalition, again, with the support of GBA, intends to bring to the forum in Kyoto, Japan. So, um, Gerard, would you like to share a little bit more about why you thought the blockchain maturity model needed to be created and what the challenges that um, individuals might face um, in uh, not understanding the, the standards that have not been in place in the past and that need to be in place now? You're muted. Sure, I'd, I'd be happy to, but... But before I do, I've got to let you in on a little secret, uh, and it specifically relates to Dino, right? So, so Dino joined the group, uh, and from the from the moment he he joined, he was uh, remarkable. He brought year, I mean, years of experience and just a, a great wisdom. And uh, I mean, it, it was it was really a wonderful experience when when he came on. But I'll never forget his surprise when we actually published the blockchain maturity model. He was like. 
wow, we really did it, <laughs> right? Because, you know, um, for the folks that know anything about blockchain, this is a tough subject, right? There's a lot of different technologies out there, right? There's, and there have been a lot, there's been a lot of hype and a lot of craziness and, and a lot of turf battles and, and you have regulatory challenges and it's, it, it's, a, it's a messy place. And so when we first, um, uh, and, and I will answer your question in a second, when we first looked around to see who was doing what, nobody really had much. And, and I think that they, they didn't have much because this is really, really hard. Um, and so when we first started having these meetings and there was a lot of debate, uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, having, having to bring people together. And, um, and honestly, I think we all wondered whether we would all ever get there. So I, I, I think the fact that the blockchain maturity model is out there now is really a testament to all of the people. Um, you know, there were just experts from all over the world that came together and, uh, and it's really a testimony to them finding that kind of, kind of common ground. But Dino, I don't know if you want to share anything about your surprise when, uh, when we actually published the model. Indeed, uh, as you alluded to, uh, it was definitely, uh, if you will, a, a sense of accomplishment that uh, after uh, many, many meetings, again, uh, very much open to anybody who was interested and was willing to contribute, we were actually able to reach consensus. And we were able to, I believe, uh, agree on a document that, uh, as I alluded to before, is technologically agnostic. And therefore, we were able to identify certain criteria, certain parameters that could help organization, regardless to the specific use case, regardless to the specific technology uh, and blockchain platform or solution that they intend to implement, they could have found value in benchmarking, if you will, their decision-making process with a set of reliable criteria that they were not attached to any specific company, any specific uh, brand, uh, or so forth. And therefore, yes, it, it was really, uh, I, I think, a, a great accomplishment that demonstrated, I think, the commitment of all the parties involved. So, uh, Jackie, I'll, I'll go ahead and answer your question. Um, so we, like, as we talked about before, we've got all these different uh, working groups. And one of the working groups, the standards uh, working group, uh, as they looked around, they said, you know, governments and, and enterprises around the world are going to be acquiring blockchain solutions. The problem is they don't have the knowledge or framework to know a good one from a bad one. And from 2017 to 2022, right, probably, this isn't scientific, it's, it's my kind of back of the napkin guess, but probably about 75% of those blockchain projects um, failed, right, for, for a whole variety of reasons. And so um, acquisition folks, uh, investors, grant writers, they need to be able to separate the wheat from the chaff, right? And people that were building solutions need some kind of roadmap to make sure that they didn't run off the rails either. So that was initially the, the problem that we, we tried to solve. And um, so, so we looked at it and we said, well, okay, what are the characteristics that a blockchain that's going to be trusted uh, needs to have? And we came up with 11, right? Uh, distribution, uh, uh, governance, uh, decentralized uh, security, uh, uh, all kinds of uh, different um, characteristics. And then we said, okay, well, when we look at these different 11 elements, what are the levels of maturity? So is the solution mature enough for, for uh, research and development funding? Is it mature enough to go in a, uh, 
proof of concept. How about to be deployed into production? Can it go into an enterprise rollout or a public or global rollout? Because the industry is so young, a lot of people are really at those lower levels, right? And so if we built a model where the, where the bar was so high that you could never get there, you would never get there, right? So we said, listen, we need to, we need to create you know, a, a baby step, a walkthrough. And, um, and then what we did is we looked at each of these 11 characteristics, we came up with sort of general themes at, at each level. And then we said, okay, um, does this work for Bitcoin? Does it work for Ethereum? Does it work for Hashgraph? Does it work for IOTA? Does it work for uh, uh, Algorand? Does it, you know, we looked at it from Cardano, from all of these different um, uh, perspectives. And then we were shocked to learn that there were so many different engineering approaches so many different ways that people were solving problems. 95% of people in the blockchain community thinks that there's like the Bitcoin way of doing it, right? The proof of work and there's proof of stake. And that's it. And what they're missing is there's an incredible amount of innovation, but, but those people with the innovations can't get ever to the funding because they're, they're just lumped in the same category as FTX or, or you know, some other, there's no differentiation. So, and then, then as we were building, we realized another thing, and that is that some requirements for blockchain solutions differ depending on the domain. So for example, if you're doing identity management in a, in a banking financial services context, you have to do AML KYC, right? Anti-money laundering, know your customer, the, the law requires it. But if you're doing a blockchain for a voting or election system, you have to have permanent separability between the voter and the vote. In other words, anonymity is a legal requirement. The law treats those two different types of applications very, very different. So then in addition to the core requirements of, of all blockchain solutions, we started building industry-specific um, uh, supplements for voting in elections, for healthcare, for um, uh, all sorts of different um, supply chain, uh, all sorts of different artificial intelligence, right? Um, and then we said, well, we've got to train people. We, we built an assessment framework so these are the requirements for, for performing assessment. We had to train people. So we trained people. We needed a qualification system. And then once somebody actually was able to demonstrate that they met that level of, of competence, then we needed a place to be able to broadcast that to the world. And, and, and those are the components of the system that we've been building over the last several years. And I, I will tell you that... Um, Dino and, and folks like them have spent many, many hours every week, right? Sometimes getting up on 6, 6 7 a.m. on Saturdays, right? Working through all this stuff. Very unglamorous, right? Um, but again, we were very surprised when, when the results came out. And then we released the model uh, last year. And since then, we've completed, we did a number of sort of pilots. Um, then we, we've done two formal assessments. And the results have been nothing short uh, of incredibly impressive. Um, the organizations that have come through it have uh, uh, have just gloated about how much they got out of it and uh, and how much it means to their investors and and stuff like that. So the plane's running down the runway. It's just the, the nose is just off the runway, and um, uh, we're we're very grateful because a lot of people have said that you know this is what the industry needed and. And we're 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 very humble to be able to to provide for that. I I uh, I did go through the training and um, it was very it was very well modeled and also uh, educational for me as well. On the on the on the coalition side, I see that there are various areas of focus. 
um, which cover a lot of topics from communication to digital identity to um, economic areas, artificial intelligence, like you mentioned, Gerard, supply chain. Um, how are you, they cover so many different areas. How are you going to be addressing all those various areas? And um, obviously each business has some commonality, but they also have some differences. So um, what, what's your uh, thoughts on how you're gonna approach that? Well, you know, um, I, I will tell you that I, I believe that everything happens for a reason, right? And, uh, you know, when, when we started GBA, we, we came up with this concept of working groups and we had chapters as well. And then COVID slammed all of our chapters, right? All of our chapters are all around the world basically collapsed because if you have essentially a chapter and they can't meet, uh, you know, you don't have much. So we haven't had to pivot to working groups. So, so in that period of time where COVID was not allowing anybody to meet, we were essentially strengthening our working groups. And we created these, these centers of excellence around all those different industry domains, right? And, and then as a result of that, when we built out the BMM thing, we said, okay, we now need to come up with industry supplements. We have 50 working groups of experts that have all been saying we need standards and are, and, um, and are coming to the table to build it. So, you know, I, I, I believe that, um, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I think that uh, at least God, you know, smiled on us. And while, while all of those problems were happening, we were sort of being positioned. Um, and even with, with our, you know, my background um, and the people together, I just really feel like uh, we were at the right place at the right time with the right task. Um, and it's, um, you know, we, we just have to continue to do the right thing. So um, even though the name for the GBA is government, I know that there are many um, organizations that are members within the GBA and a lot of different um, players within the working groups. Do you wanna um, talk about the diversity of um, the, the professionalism that's behind the, the working groups? Because again, you were mentioning that the blockchain maturity model was created, you know, based upon the needs that were expressed by these individuals. So it's not just governments; there were other others within the profession as well. Well, I tell you what, but, um, the word chaos comes to mind, right? Because we have people in the in the GBA that uh, that are Bitcoin maximalists; they, they love everything Bitcoin, and we have other people that believe that Bitcoin is the scourge of the earth and is going to destroy the planet, right? We've got uh, competitors in there with uh, with uh, public blockchains and private permission blockchains, and so one of the things I think is the most important thing about the GBA and and what part of what makes it so so much of a good fit for the UN and the IGF in particular is our ethics statement. So if nobody's ever read our ethics statement, I would encourage them to do that. Right, and we and one of the things it says in there is that um, we believe that blockchain is a technology that is not good or evil, but it should be used for good. And that um, we have members from very, very diverse perspectives, right? We've got Americans, we've got Russians and Chinese and, and every, you know, everything in between, black, white, you know, Christian, Muslim, Jew, I mean, um, and, and so when we talk about any subject, right? So for example, take banking. Well, banking in Islamic countries is very different than banking in Western countries, right? And so we, have, we walk into the situation recognizing we have a very global and very diverse community 
And the first thing we've got to learn how to do is to let people finish their sentences and listen to other people, right? And, and so I, I believe, and so I'll just put a sort of political context for a second, right? Here in the United States, we have Republicans and Democrats and they fight tooth and nail. One of the things that I've realized is that, you know, you've got probably a hundred million Republicans, a hundred million Democrats, about a hundred million people are saying. I've never seen any issue where a hundred million people can be wrong about everything. So if you can accept the fact that if you have people on the other side, and many of which are very intelligent, and they have a position that you disagree with, right? Well, unless they're insane, there's probably some reason why that they have that position. And if you'll slow down long enough to listen to them, you might find some common ground. And if we can identify the common ground, we can move forward. So uh, I'll, let, I'll let Dino talk a little bit, you know, his thoughts on the culture, but I, I really believe that everything that we're doing within the GPA, the standards or the technology and stuff, but it really starts with culture. It starts with what is it that you're trying to do? And if you look at the UN, the UN is really looking to foster peace, right? And, and, and a prosperous uh, future for everyone. Right? GBA has got the same goals. We're, we're, we're focusing on a particular piece of it, which makes us a good fit to be a particular piece in the UN. But, um, but we're all basically trying to do the same thing. And, the, and I can't say enough about the ethics of the culture. Do you know, I don't know if you want to expand on that at all. Uh, thank you, Gerard. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, I think that uh, the uh, the fact that uh, we have been able to uh, be part of this bigger uh, project called UNIGF, it's exactly because there is uh, an alignment on on principles, an alignment on the on the fundamental core value that drive uh, us, uh, whether as individual, whether as part of uh, this uh, professional association. And uh, indeed, uh, ultimately, uh, I think there was uh, a, a match between the, the, the this value and this principle and the approach. So the fact that uh, the participation to the GBA events, to the debate, to the discussion, to the development of, of the, whether it's a maturity model, whether it's a standard document, whether it's a best practice, whether it's a research, whatever that may be the, the, the topic, the specific topic, the fundamental principles was about being transparent, being inclusive, and be participatory. And these are very much aligned with the principle, with the guiding uh, uh, values exactly of the UNIGF. Be transparent, be participatory, be inclusive. And I think that by having this uh, shared value, I think that uh, we have a, a fundamental starting point where we can then start building something because we are doing whatever we're doing and whatever type of debate or whatever type of disagreement will ultimately bring, I mean, going back to your comments, observation, Gerard, to, we can even get to a point where we can agree to disagree, but by respecting each other from a position of respect, compassion, and understanding. So I think that is really a, a very a powerful uh, position to be in. Thank you.
I, I would agree with you. I also, um, I know that there are many stakeholders who are part of the Dynamic Coalition. So what is your hope and um, that they're going to be uh, taking away from the conversation about blockchain and about these standards? And where do you see that they're going to be able to take this back within their own community and reach out to the businesses so that way there can be an, a further conversation for the development of this space. How do you see that the Dynamic Coalition is gonna support the education around the world? Um, do you wanna take that or do you want me to take that? Please go ahead, yeah, go, go ahead. So uh, one of the things that I think is really important to understand is, is different stakeholders come to the table and they have different needs, right? Um, so individuals and professionals, what, what they're looking for is their opportunity. When, one of the things that's different between the GBA and, and the IGF is the GBA as an entity, we're a business league. So our focus is to help our members in a sense to become more successful, right? And so, I mean, that's what, it, what a, we're like, we're an industry association like a chamber of commerce. Now to do that, we have to identify that different people have different needs. Now here's what's interesting where it aligns back. The needs that our professional members have are not just the professional members in the GBA, professional members all over the world, whether they're in the GBA or not, also have those same needs. So if we can address those needs for our members, we're also simultaneously addressing those for professionals all over the world. Same thing with companies, right? Same thing with governments. So for the individuals, our, our hope and our, our takeaway is that they learn enough about the, the technology and the governance and the management that they can develop the skills and capabilities and credentials to be able to successfully do consulting and, and develop solutions and be innovative and, and become prosperous as a professional. For solution providers, our goal is that they learn about what does it take in order to be a trusted blockchain solution so they can build solutions that can be trusted so that they can get the grants and they can get the investment and they can get the customers and, and, and sell their products. And for governments, our, 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 our goal is that they, they, they take, walk away from this thing understanding that, okay, if we're going to be acquiring solutions, what are the standards that we need those people to be able to come up to so that our citizens can trust our decisions in making those acquisitions? And, and whether somebody's in GBA or not um, doesn't matter, but we're, we're doing that for the GBA members and the spillover benefit is it's helping everyone in the world, which is then how we move through them dynamic coalition. So those are those are the takeaways that I'm hoping people take away. Dino, did you want to add something to that? Yes, uh, I, I think that uh, the the IGF really um, provide the perfect platform, the perfect stage for uh, allowing this exchange, the, the being so open to all stakeholders, regardless to their location in the world, regardless to their profession, regardless to their beliefs, it really contributes to a higher level of engagement. And having the ability to discuss, to contrast and compare the different approaches, the, the different point of views, ultimately, I believe it's a strength that it's very difficult to replicate in a smaller scale. So definitely has uh, Gerard alluded to before, there is a risk of chaos, but I think there is also an opportunity in being open 
and being willing to listen. But then, of course, it does require the ability to have some sort of approach that ultimately allows you to extract the added value of this open engagement and to capitalize on the contribution of all parties involved. And I think that is really a, an amazing strength for, for this initiative. I, Jack, I Go ahead, Gerard. Jack, have you ever uh, gone to a rodeo or, or been a bull rider? Not personally, no, but I have gone. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think to a large degree, it's, it's how the bull riders have to have to ride the bull, right? They, they need to hold on with strength, but they also need to be flexible and, and have the agility and, and kind of roll with it, right? And I, and I think that um, it is that kind of culture and attitude where there are some things we have to be very, very firm on, and it has to do with ethics and integrity. Right, um, but there there are some things that we have to we have to be kind of flexible with, and um, and so we have to build that framework. Right, the, we're we're very disciplined about the framework because the, without that framework, the whole thing just falls apart. But within that framework, we've got to be flexible enough to allow that kind of give that, that allows the whole thing to come together. Uh, that was one of the, th the takeaways um, after I finished the training, the collaborative conversation that happens throughout the entire process is definitely there. I know uh, individuals who are listening might have a question as to um, how long the blockchain maturity model assessment takes and what steps and, you know, if they have an interest in going through this, what would they do? So I don't know if either of you want to kind of, um, Dino, I see that you wanted to share something. So, uh, but either of you can answer that. Yeah, uh, yeah thank you, Gerard. I mean, I'm actually sure that Gerard can speak more uh, confidently about this, but I, I can say the there are different the different types of assessment in, in general. I mean, for myself, coming from the background of auditing, uh, I'm I'm being used to work with a compliance audit, a risk based audit, management audit, and I think that the way the blockchain maturity model assessment is being designed actually is very efficient and effective. And also it's very participatory. Uh, it, indeed, already the language that is utilized is not an audit, it's an assessment. And uh, aims at including in the assessment team also representative of the entity being assessed. So there is an opportunity for direct involvement. Of course, uh, with the due uh, process and due control to avoid conflict of interest and so forth and so on. But I believe that uh, the, the process being designed in a way that it is focused, uh, it can be uh, performed in a relatively short time if compared to other type of uh, audits. And ultimately, it's really uh, based on an approach that uh, aims a consensus. It's not intended to be a confrontational process is intended to be really a collaborative process where there is an opportunity, of course, for testing, for validation, for verification, but ultimately also for consensus vis-a-vis -vis, uh, evidence and vis-a-vis -vis certain requirements are met, and if so, how, and if not, why. So it is really intended to add value 
to the process and to all the parties involved. That I'm sure that uh, Gerard can add additional detail that they would elaborate more uh, about the, the process. Yeah, I, I think I would, first of all, I agree with everything Dino said. Um, if the goal is to get a trusted blockchain solution, right, then it's from a time frame perspective. Um, uh, I, I'm gonna make the analogy like this. If I said to you, how long will it take for me to lose enough weight so I'm down to 160 pounds, right? What's the answer? Well, it really depends. Right, on, on, on how much you weigh right now and how long is it gonna take you to lose, to lose that weight, right? Um, and that's how this thing is. So if, if somebody presents a solution to us and, and they haven't built the infrastructure, right? And if they, if they haven't fixed the, if they haven't taken care of the security and if, if they've got all kinds of, if, if it's not trustworthy, right? Then it's gonna take as long as it takes for them to get trustworthy. If an assessment is not like a, an eight hour test, you come in and, and if you don't hit the mark, you fail. Basically the way it works is you, you step in the door, you sit down, right? And then when your solution is trustworthy, you pass. So you don't, there is no failing, right? We, we designed it specifically. We, we, we don't want to waste any time. In fact, before we ever bring an assessment team, you have to do a self-assessment, right? So you've got to go through yourself and, and get you, your own people internally to say, you know what? This is a system that can be trusted. And then we bring an external team to, to validate that. So by the time we bring in the external team, you should have fixed all the holes. The, the, the standard is open source. I don't know if technically that, that's the right word, but it's, it's freely available to anybody who wants to use it. They can pull it down and they can self-assess, right? And then when they, now if they've done that, then when we come in, you know, it's easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? But if they haven't, if they're fooling themselves or they're trying to fool, you know, the world, then honestly, the, the credibility of assessment is built on three things. It's built on the assessment model, which we took two years with some of the smartest people that I've ever met building it in, in this industry, right? People like Dino who, who've built blockchain solutions for the United Nations and, and um, I don't remember the number, 80,000 people, right? Um, it, so the assessment model is solid. The assessment methodology has been built on, on ISO and CMMI. And those are, those are assessment and audit methods that have been around for decades. And then it's built on the assessment team. So we spend a lot of time and effort making sure that the assessment team have the right qualifications. For an assessment for, to be performed, there's four mandatory skill sets. You need to have somebody that knows blockchain technology, somebody that knows legal and regulatory, somebody that knows digital asset management, and somebody that is a subject matter expert uh, in, in that particular domain. So if you're doing a healthcare or voting or supply chain or whatever, right? And so based on those three requirements, the credibility of the assessment is extremely high. So that's what I'm saying. If you're trying to fool anybody, you're not gonna get past the assessment. If, if you legitimately are making sure that your blockchain solution is, can be trusted, then the assessment's essentially gonna be a walk in the park. So in terms of after they've gone through the assessment, um, and I know that there's five levels within each of those elements, um, what do they get at the end? Um, you know, what do, you know, are they able to show um, everyone th that they are at certain levels? Um, how does that help them? Well, well, there's two things that are very important. The, the, the first thing is, um, 
it is a journey. It's, it's, not, it's not a point in time. So from the very first time they sit down and they, and they are working with the, either themselves internally or the assessment team, what they're doing is it, it's like peeling an onion back and they're recognizing, okay, this is a vulnerability we had, let's close that. Oh, okay, th th this is, this is a, a flaw in, in our token elements, let's fix that. And so what they really get, I think one of the most important things is the learning and the improvement to really make their solution better. That's the first thing. And then I can't, you know, I mean, you, you get a piece of paper and, and, and a pat on the back, but, but I, I can't overestimate the, the value of that. And secondly, um, they get essentially listed on, uh, on, on a particular site where the world can see, hey, you know what? You have been assessed by an independent professional group of trained people using a, an assessment model that has been you know, vetted by for, for two years with experts all over the world from an assessment methodology that, that this rock saw. Look, instead of doing the due diligence, I, I can trust this, right? Because investors and, you know, so it's really about um, A, getting to that point and then B, having a credible validation that you can be trusted. And, and you get a certificate and it's posted on the website. You know, um, at the conference that's coming up, um, how will this um, model and the standards be introduced to those who are going to be attending um, in Japan? Yeah, so uh, as uh, Gerard alluded to, uh, the model is intended to be used in a variety of forms, not necessarily with a strict uh, approach of having a, a team of independent assessor to come and do an assessment, but can also be used, and I believe it should be used as a self-assessment tool. And again, as uh, Gerard mentioned before, the, the model is available to anybody. It's free, it's available, and people can also participate for free uh, at the meetings and therefore learn more about how to best utilize, how to best supplement the model itself, and therefore, the intention is to share it at the forum with the widest audience as possible, also to, if you will, put to the test of potential criticism and learn from it so that like-minded people, subject matter experts can further contribute to the refinement of the model itself. Because ultimately, even and actually, especially with the self-assessment, we are creating an opportunity for an entity to determine where they are. That's why the concept of maturity and the concept of this is a journey is not necessarily a point of arrival. So by using the self-assessment model of a maturity, an organization, an entity can decide, first and foremost, they can identify where they are and then decide where they want to be in a short, medium, and long term and therefore create a plan and start working towards that plan by identifying the resource requirement, by identifying the timeline, and especially by identifying whether their direction is aligned with the strategy of their own organization and therefore make sure that there is alignment between the use and the adoption of a blockchain solution, which ultimately it's a mean to an end and confirm whether the end is indeed going to be supported by the use of the mean that in this case 
is the blockchain that we are, are advocating for. So I, I know that we've been um, covering a lot of information um, and uh, the, the, there's a, definitely a deep dive here. Um, any last minute thoughts that you'd like to share with everyone who's listening? I know that I'm going to be embedding all the links below so that way those that would like to learn how to become assessors can um, actually do that. And those that would like to actually have their blockchain models um, and see how their solution, um, you know, ends up uh, being assessed can also participate as well. Any last minute thoughts that you would like to share with everyone? Do you know you want to go first? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think the best way for me to to conclude my departing thoughts from uh, this great opportunity, Jackie, thank you so much for uh, inviting me to be part of this podcast, is actually to go back to the words that uh, Scott Storneda, the co-inventor of the blockchain, shared with us during our first meeting at the Dynamic Coalition where he uh, referred to the blockchain again, as I alluded to before, as to a mean to an end. And the end, the way he elaborated, articulated, was about the fact that the blockchain is def definitely a mean, but to an end that is represented by new form of social interaction, to a new social contract. And I think that is probably the best definition, the best representation of a blockchain and its potential use. So rather than focusing the attention on crypto or NFT, on risk, on speculation, is actually to shine the, the light on the opportunities, on the really, the real societal benefit that we can all draw from the use of this uh, wonderful technology in order to improve and to further our, our social activities. So I think that those words for me really resonated. And I think that those are the best way to represent this effort. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Dino. And, and I would say, if you want more information, there's a variety of ways you can do it. You can send an email to bmm at gbaglobal.org. Uh, that'll send it, that'll send an email to our program team. If you just go to gbaglobal.org, there's a ton of resources. Uh, under resources, there's videos. Um, uh, under resources, there's a the blockchain maturity model page. Um, there's just there's just a ton of, of resources. So feel free to do that. And then check out, then by all means, there's going to be a link um, in the description to join the dynamic coalition. Do that. You'll you'll be you'll stay informed. Just jump in. I, I would say uh, just just jump in and you know, you can you can figure out how cold or hot the water is a little later. But uh, if it's boiling, you'll just jump back out, right? So. Uh... <laughs> no, I definitely think that everyone needs to get started somewhere. So um, this is a a perfect way to do it. And also, as you said, there's a lot of self reflection that happens through this process, and it just strengthens um, those that go through it. Uh, so I also want to just briefly mention that we have an upcoming event. Um, there are events all the time. So this is something that uh, everyone is welcome to attend in Washington. Uh, it's the blockchain and infrastructure, the rise of artificial intelligence. So again, that information will also be there as well. 
I want to thank both of you, but again, Gerard, I see that you have your mic off. So would you like to, uh, was there a, uh, something else you wanted to share? Yeah, just one thing. Yeah, we do two conferences a year. So the fall conference is uh, uh, blockchain and infrastructure. So somebody might be watching this podcast after that conference. Yes. Uh, the spring conference is called the future of money governance and the law. So we, we look at it from both sides of the, uh, of the coin, right? It's the money side and the technology side. And so you should, I mean, I would encourage people to come to both conferences because you'll, you'll definitely get a different perspective. And then the spring conference has the um, annual achievement awards of which uh, the United Nations and the, the Joint Staff Pension Fund won an award for the work that they did with uh, creating a Denny management solution. And then the, uh, the fall one has the uh, solution awards, which is, uh, so um, both of those, the, the, the conference in the fall is gonna be awesome but the conference in the spring, if you're watching it later, there's always a conference coming up within a few months. There's always a conference, which is why you need to go back and, and uh, become a member of the GBA and you know subscribe to the newsletter and just see more about what's going on. And also uh, definitely visit the uh, Dynamic Coalition's um, you know link as well. So that way you can share it out with others that you think might have a need to know. Because again, that's part of why we're here is to network and educate and to support everyone in the community. So everyone, uh, thank you so much, Gerard and Dino. I'm very honored and privileged to have both of you on this um, talk show. I, this is a very important conversation. And I cannot wait to see um, the the progress that's made and the um, the blockchain companies that um, are going to be assessed um, over time. It's going to be phenomenal. And as I always say on all the broadcasts um, at the end, uh, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. And we're all so interconnected and we're all part of one world. So thank you so much. Thank you so thank much. You. Have thank a great you. day. Bye.